So I did a live stream earlier today and I think my phone overheated and something happened. Anyway, I screwed it up and didn't upload the, uh, the video. So thought I would come back and do another video this afternoon since I have another 45 minutes to kill or so before I get ready to go to the movies because we are planning on going and seeing that movie Dazed and Confused later. So I love that movie. It reminds me of like, you know, the days of growing up in high school. At least that's when the movie came out. And, you know, just the uh, music and the vehicles and everything that they have in the, you know, all the hot rod muscle cars and stuff that they were driving. It just, uh, it was a great movie. I just, I really relate to that one. So, um... Anyway, we were talking about the uh, fake recession, that um, the fake inflation, the fake everything that came from the COVID um, pandemic. Now, when I told the story earlier, it was, um, you know, I basically, I'm just going to tell the story again for you guys. But really where I saw the issues started to take place was within the lumber industry and the mill curtailments and slowdowns that were taking place the inventory depletions and when two, when 2020 hit and the COVID pandemic started up and everybody was going into lockdown, there was even more mill curtailments and shutdowns and inventory depletions. Now, when that took place and all of a sudden here comes the stimulus checks, all these stimulus checks come out there and everybody runs down and wipes out the lumber, right? So this was a supply chain breakdown of lumber that started way before the pandemic ever kicked in. But really where I saw like this being like a self-induced like recession that came from it is because John Williams gave a speech back in 2018 and this title of that speech was um, Monetary Policy for a Low Neutral Rate World. And ultimately in that, um, <laughs> there's the fun word ultimately, right? But in that speech, uh, he was talking about getting inflation up to above the 2%, like letting inflation run extra hot for extra long for an extended period of time. But they didn't say in that speech how it was that they were gonna get it. I mean, here it is 2018, for the past 10 years, they've been trying to get inflation through the quantitative easing programs of one, two, three, and four, and still had yet to achieve the inflation target that they were looking for, at least on a consistent basis. And now here it is in this 2018 speech, he's talking about letting inflation run extra hot for extra long for an extended period of time. And I questioned it back then. I was like, how in the world are you gonna do this? How are you gonna get this inflation that you were looking for, right? To run extra hot for extra long for an extended period of time. I mean, he talked about the demographics. He was talking about how deflation was the major issue. He was talking about how the demographics of the you know, aging population is not into spending money like a younger generation is. You know, he talked about how like the global growth was slowing down, how like innovation was like slowing things down. I mean, he talked about a lot of stuff that was causing deflation in that speech. So it was confusing then to me. It was just like, after I read it, I mean, I read it after he gave it. And I'm like, how is he gonna get the two, how is he gonna get that inflation, right? And here comes, COVID, lockdown, boom, supply chain breakdown, inventory depletions after the stimulus checks were given out because everybody runs out there and just starts spending that money, drop the inventory levels, and now getting stuff off the ships and through the supply chain has become very difficult, the supply and demand, right? Next thing you know, 
prices start going up. Oh, here we go, right? Everybody wants to blame it on monetary policy only. Like they just look at the Federal Reserve and they say, look at all that money printing. That's all you need to look at. It was all the money printing that did it, but it was a supply chain breakdown that truly did it. I mean, this is where like the lumber tells the story, right? Because it was happening before COVID took place. And everybody wants to say, man, COVID caused the lumber prices to go way up. No, man, that was happening before COVID, before COVID started, right? COVID just gave that stimulus check out there for everybody to go and get high with. And that's really what happened is that when you get the stimulus check, you go out there and you spend the stimulus check into the money or the stimulus money into the economy, driving up all the prices, but then the stimulus is over. And now where's the, you know, how do you get high again? You know, you got to have this, you got to have the government come out there and do it. Thank you for the super chat there, Christopher. Wasn't able to finish your live stream from the river earlier. It was good. Hope you put it up so I can finish it later. I lived in Astoria 04 through 06. Christopher, man, I am so sorry. There was something happened with that. My phone, like, overheated, cooked, or whatever, and I didn't get that one uploaded. So, um, unfortunately, I think it's gone forever. Um, but it, you're right. It was a good one. It was two and a half hours and we talked about some really good stuff. So, okay. What else do you guys want to hear about? What do we talk about? 117 watching with 31 likes. Let's get those thumbs up people. Yes, please. Um, I'm going to be out here for probably 40 minutes or so, 40, 50 minutes. And, um, you know, we can hang out and talk. And if you hit that like button, what it'll do is it'll grab the video and start spreading it around YouTube for other people to come, come join in on the, uh, on the live stream in the comment section. So yes, please hit the like button. Problem, action, solution. The governments are not gonna help us. They plan this mess. Yeah, um, it really certainly appears to be that way. I mean, at least from the idea that they were going like to say it, to like actually have a speech that says, we are going to let inflation run extra hot for extra long for an extended period of time, right? I mean, this is like, I mean, they did what they said that they were going to do, like how it happened. I mean, you can go ahead and put all the excuses in there and all the reasons, but they said that they were going to do it and here it is happening. So like, I mean, did they imagine it into, into existence, you know, um, round two. Yeah. Sorry guys. Like I, man, like I said, my phone overheated out there when I was sitting on the bench. So not something I normally think about here in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> All right, they let it run hot for as long as they could. Yeah. Um, now, this is the thing. Other speeches, now I cannot find it. Like, it, it, it wasn't in John Williams' speech, but it was in another Fed statement or something talking about after they let this inflation run hot is that you are going to see interest rates rising into a condition in which that you would normally see interest rates dropping. They said this, right? Now it's very similar to the idea that they continue to keep the interest rates low for that extended period of time during a time in which that you would think that they would normally raise rates. Now, this is this is why things are so different. This is why they're it's not 2% target anymore. That's the thing we have to remember. It's not a 2% target average inflation or I'm sorry, 2% target inflation rate. They're going for a 2% average inflation, but they never really told us how they calculate, excuse me, how they calculate that. 
Is it inflation over five years? Is it 10 years? I mean, do are they starting today? Are they starting like 10 years ago to figure out what this average is going? <laughs> what is average inflation? So it ends up being kind of like an arbitrary number. I mean, they can just, you know, figure out their formula until they come up with this average inflation. And like they can say, well, we'll average it for eight years and then put all these kind of other metrics into it to come up with this this average that they're looking for. So it doesn't it doesn't matter what inflation is right now. It matters what the average inflation is. And it's not like they have like this average inflation like rolling target that you can go and look up. I don't know, maybe they do somewhere. I I haven't found it yet cuz I don't I'm still not exactly sure how it is that the Federal Reserve is is calculating this average inflation rate. I mean, I haven't figured that one out yet. Um, but they said it in the, in those speeches that, you know, they, that you would see interest rates rising during a time in which that you would normally think that they would be dropping interest rates. So I would think during the next recession, as the recession is kicking in, they're going to be like, sorry, we're going to let the, the recession roll along for a little while because we're, you know, combating inflation, you know? And so this is like, this is why I think it's fake, you know, it's because they said this was going to happen, you know. Alright, um, you're going to get a bifurcation, what's that, bifurcation of interest rates, government, God, I can hardly read this, governments will buy near zero, while private sector will skyrocket, you can see it with credit cards and now with housing mortgages. Yeah, um... I'm in the grocery business in the Northeast, New England. We beg daily for people to work, no takers. Yeah, give it some time, man. That is, that's gonna, that that's gonna change uh, once the recession really kicks in. Like, what we're gonna find is that the interest rates are gonna rise. The Federal Reserve is gonna lift their their Fed funds rate up to their. They're going to get to neutral, 2.5%, 3%, somewhere in there on the Fed funds. That's going to be around the neutral rate. And then they're going to go a little bit farther past that. It's going to be very doubtful that they're going to keep it there for very long. But they said they would. They said that they were going to you know, hold back on dropping of interest rates during the next downturn. I mean, they didn't explain it quite like that, but it was pretty much they said that you would see interest rates staying elevated during time when you would think that they would be dropping them. So that's what I'm assuming during the next recession when everybody is just like the Federal Reserve should be dropping interest rates. They're going to be like, nope, sorry, guys, we're not going to do it quite yet. And so that's what they're doing is they're trying to get that 2% average target. And part of that is to feel some pain is you're going to have to inflict pain upon the people for a little while before you can go in and drop interest rates again because you're going for an average, not for a target. People got to realize that it's going to be tough. I mean... The Fed is not behaving in any way that they had ever done in the past, although people want to kind of predict them to behave like they did in the past, but they're not doing that anymore. I mean, they're going to an average inflation, so think about it like that. All right. Uh, like the videos, get this going. Yeah, thank you very much. I see we got 76 likes, 191 of you. Please go and hit that like button so we can spread this uh, video around. I'm going to be out here for probably another half hour, a little over half an hour. All right. The percentage of people able to show up regularly, forget, forgot, do good work. Oops. 
Forget do good work is shrinking rapidly. Yeah, um, it'll like I said, it'll change. Oh, and what will change with that? When the interest rates rise, corporations are going to start feeling some major pain. The ones who have taken out in this, in, you know, a lot of debt and then held the cash, they're going to be able to work through it a little bit better than those who have just taken out a bunch of debt and bought bought their stock back or something like that, or even worse, just expanded their company and hired a bunch of people that they're not going to do anything. So once the interest rates rise and those corporations begin to feel the pain from that, well, they're not going to be able to roll that old debt over into new debt and they're going to have to start selling their stocks, selling their assets and start pretty much going down in business because there's going to be less economic activity going on. So they're going to have less sales and less growth or even no growth or negative growth. So that's where it's, it's going to happen as far as the employment and all these jobs that are available right now are going to quickly go away. And that's going to be a major problem. Um, let's see, what else did I want to add to that? Uh, um, excuse me, I just spilled my coffee. Uh, UE work the transportation industry. Demand in some areas we are seeing one-to-one when it comes to number of truck per loads. Predictions say that the market will tighten again. Um, maybe. Um, I have to question whether or not the market is gonna is going to tighten up again. Like I'm reading a lot of the uh, freight waves. Freight waves is a great online publication. Um, they have some really good articles talking about the supply chain and and some of the things that are that are now shifting inside of the supply chain. One of those was the uh, rejection rate. Of, of loads now I'm not exactly sure how this works but I you know if you go back a few videos um, we were talking about it and there's links in the description of those videos but I'm um, talking about the rejection rate and how there was a lot of these rejections uh, for loads like there wasn't enough truck drivers to handle all these loads that they had out there well this rejection rate is dropping dramatically which says that these truckers aren't denying these loads or picking them up and a lot more of them. So is it still tight? Yeah, I mean, it's still incredibly tight, but the shift seems to be taking place. Will it continue? Who knows? Like, you know, you, there's predictions saying that it's gonna, you know, tighten back up again. There's also predictions that we're gonna have another, you know, COVID wave or something like that. There's a lot of predictions out there of what could happen, but what the momentum is showing is really where you got to go. What direction is it actually taking place? And right now, it's not like more rejections happening. There's less rejections happening. And that's a sign, you know. All right. The Great Reset. Yeah. Totally disagree with you. There used to be interest to have America as the superpower. That's all gone. All the corporations and majority of politicians have sold out. Okay. Well, assuming GOP wins midterms and control both houses and Senate, what will Dems Biden do to try improving economy inflation for 24 election? I don't know. I don't think those guys do anything for the economy. Please say hello to frostproof Florida. Yeah. I had a really bad vibe today about everything in the world, dark times. Well, okay, so my channel's full of doom and gloom and, you know, depressing stuff. 
yeah all right so we do follow a lot of things that are going to be like not the best of the best of times right now after you're done with the channel and you've taken in the information and you've thought about it for a minute go and do something fun go and watch dazed and confused like i'm gonna do later right go and find something that is going to take your mind off of the dark times because this stuff is not something you want to dwell on 24 7. That's what I do on it. Believe me, it it can be it can be dragging on you. Okay, so if you feel like you know you're depressed by some of the things that are taking place out there in the economy and the world, go find something fun to do for a while. Put down the phone and go hang out with people you like, and don't talk about politics or money. Talk about anything else, right? talk about how the summertime is going to be so much better now that everything is opened up and you get to go and hang out and do whatever it is you really want to do with your life. Think about that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, economics is the dismal science, right? I mean, it's there's nothing about it that is going to make you feel like on top of the world better about it, right? Nothing. Unless you study it for investment purposes and you score really good good investment or something like that i just don't see where studying this stuff is going to be like making you feel so much better about your life and your world or anything that comes from hanging out with good people and doing fun things right you study this stuff to protect yourself and to protect your wealth and to protect your finances to protect your family right and all that stuff is very heavy right so like you know, let me handle it and because I'm obsessed with it and I'll put out these videos, but you go and have fun for the day. All right. The economy is such a stressor. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, especially when you're trying to, especially when you're trying to take in a lot of theory and a lot of, a lot of concepts and ideas and then you start breaking it down into cause and effects, right? You know, like, well, if this happens, this could happen. And if that happens, well, this could happen. And then pretty soon you're like building up these different stories and ideas. And the way I see it is like, you know, you kind of follow these different paths, like, you know, all these different ways that it could go. And then you follow the path of least resistance, right? The one that is most likely going to be the way it goes, right? Or the one that everything seems to be gravitating towards in the direction that one seems to head. And this happens all the time. There's constant changes. I mean, constantly there's new information, new, you know, events, new changes all the time. Got to constantly watch it. Or watch somebody else who's watching it. All right. Um, long British sterling check that chart out. Yeah, is the sterling rising. See, all the... All the all the banks, all the central banks in the world that were in monetary t easing are going into monetary tightening. I mean, you think about it. That is less money out there. They are pulling the currency out of the system. So there's going to be less dollars chasing goods and services. Yes, they printed up a bunch of them, right? There is a bunch of dollars that have been printed. They're sitting on the bank's balance sheets, right? They're sitting in reserves. That stuff has to be lent into existence. If it's not lent into existence then it's not doing anything. It's just like you can have, like I said in the previous video, you can print up $100 trillion. It doesn't matter as long as it's sitting in the bank and not out there in circulation. It doesn't matter how much money you print up. So once that money is lent into the system, then then you will start finding the, you know, chasing of goods and services and stuff. We had stimulus checks handed out. 
that stimulus check is very much like getting high. Once the high is over, now you have to postpone your current spending to pay for all that stimulus. Like, it's a borrowed money. I mean, there's it's no different than having fun with a credit card. The only difference is it was the government who handed it out and not an individual person. So we kind of forget about it. It's like as if it didn't happen, right? Like as if we didn't take out all this debt and hand it over to people that just go willy-nilly spending. Like that, there, there's consequences for that and we have to pay that back. And that's really where this is going to be coming to. All right, I see the yen is tanking versus the dollar. What's up with that? The Japanese yen, yeah, well, they're going, they're, we're tightening and they're keep easing, right? They said that they were going to continue to buy their, their government debt in any quantities to keep the interest rates at a low spot. They are in a position in which they, they are very difficult. They have a very difficult time finding the inflation like the rest of the, the nations around the world have. They have a demographics problem that is very difficult for them to solve. They sell more adult diapers in Japan than baby diapers. The, old, the elderly population doesn't spend money like a younger population does. And that's really where the major problem is, is that they just have this majorly old, old population that doesn't provide the economy to have like this big robust amount of spending taking place. Kids going out there and taking out a lot of debt to start their lives with. They're just not, there's just not as many of them as there is the, the older population. So you're probably gonna see that be the case for, for a while, like until that demographic shift takes place. And I don't, I don't see it happening like right away, you know? Thank you for answering my question. Yeah, no problem, man. No problem at all. People always want to blame one thing for inflation. No, you can't blame one thing for inflation. Like, you know, like we were saying earlier, you know, in the previous video, we talked about the two different, you know, inflation scenarios that a lot of people like to contribute to today. Like they talk about, well, how long is this going to take, like compared to the 70s inflation? But this isn't the type of inflation that we had back in the 70s. You know, back in the 70s, they actually had dollar, like people were scared of the dollar, like they did not want it. I'm talking like Americans, foreigners, nobody wanted the dollar, like it was scared. And, and Carter had Carter bonds, look those up. And he, you know, the treasury during that time, during the Carter administration was selling U.S. treasuries that were due in German marks and Swiss francs. And so like, this is the way that they were able to borrow money is by promising to pay it back in a foreign in a foreign currency, much like Russia has today with the US dollars or like China does with US dollars. I mean, and it's not just China government, it's Chinese corporations as well, along with many corporations and nations around the world who borrow money in US dollars. Those things are due back in US dollars. So when the United States tightens their currency, when they start pulling this money out of the circulation, it makes it very difficult on these foreign nations and foreign corporations in order to pay back their debt because now they have to come up with ever increasing amounts of their own domestic currency in order to acquire the dollars that they need to pay back those debts. That's why you're seeing so much so much like debt defaults taking place with like Sri Lanka and Evergrande and now Russia and it's not just like the war, the war is like, you know, contributing to it, but it's, it's the fact that dollars are difficult to get for these nations comparatively to their own currencies, right? Like the dollar continues to strengthen. This isn't new. I mean, this is dollar milkshake theory. You know, this is one of the reasons why you're seeing gold maintain its value, why gold holds its, is holding its own. It's for the same reason. 
right? It's because people are scared. People are scared about getting into their own currencies. People are scared about investing in their own corporations, their own stocks. And where's the best place you can go? The United States. But now they're scared of the United States. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. So where do they go? There's nowhere to go but gold. Now, Bitcoin, too, like on a lesser extent, but gold is the tradition, right? You either go to the United States if you want to be in a safe haven, and the other safe haven is gold. And if you're worried about inflation, then it's really gold. So that's why you have like gold and the dollar rising together, which is something that you normally wouldn't think would happen. Right? And this is, I mean, go, go follow Brent Johnson. I mean, he talks in depth about this stuff, right? Uh, yeah, definitely hit the like button, guys. I'll be out here for probably another half and an hour. Yeah, about a half hour or so. Maybe not quite that long. 20 minutes. What happened to the $30 trillion in debt? It, nothing happened to it. It still exists. Right? There's, I mean, you know, that's the retirement funds of everybody. <laughs> Dollar demand at all-time highs. Um yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily at the all-time highs, but you're going to see it at an all-time high, especially when people want to get out of it. When people finally had enough of it and they're saying, you know what, screw you, United States. We don't like the sanctions. We don't like anything you're doing. We don't want to be part of this game anymore. There's a better there's a better currency out there to use, right? And once that happens, the, the investors, the people, the nations, the corporations, everybody out there has to get a hold of those dollars first in order to get out of it, right? They got to clear out their contracts. The moment that happens at the same time that the liquidity is being, being pulled out of the market, you, it could cause the dollar to be so, so high. I mean, it, you would talk about like dollar bubble, right? And as that happens, people aren't going to understand what's going on. And so they're going to be trying to get into the dollar. And when they really should be getting out, they should be buying all the stuff up with these like incredibly strong dollars. But they're not going to do it because what they're going to feel is that they're going to think that this is a safe place to be, that you're that you're, you know, you're putting it into the best currency, the strongest currency out there. But really what's happening is it's dying. It's like it's kind of like the idea of a two cycle engine that's running out of gas. It starts sucking in a bunch of air, excuse me guys, and it starts revving up really high. And it just like, it winds up right before it quits. And then it does. That's what the dollar's gonna do. All right, so is it good to hold more than six months expense in cash? No, it's, it's absolutely good. Um, I'm going six months to a year. That's what my emergency fund, what I would like to have is somewhere between six months and a year um, of all expenses, like my power bill, phone bill, house payment, all that stuff. To me, that's like the position you should be in cash. And I'm talking like, not necessarily cash in hand, I'm talking like cash in the bank too. I'm not thinking that there's going to be a major bank run or something like that. Um, at least not at this point. Now. I wouldn't necessarily keep like all the money in the world in the bank. Like that wouldn't be the smartest thing to do um, or all your money in the world anyhow, but to keep like the emergency fund and that's it, like in the working capital for paying bills or maybe doing like investment kind of stuff. Cause you need to have a bank account in order to transfer these funds. Having something like that after that, like I don't really see the need to have a whole lot of cash unless you plan on buying like the fancy thing, like, right, you want the, the new car or you want, you know, ATVs or the camper trailer or something, 
these things are going to come on sale. These are these are the things during a recession that all the toys, right, all the luxury items, they need to start selling these things off because they got debts to pay and they're overextended and the price of food and energy is too much for them. They can no longer pay their debts off, so they need to start selling off their luxury items in order to pay their debts. That's where the people who have cash really jump in and start playing, you know, start buying up. It's like harvest season for the rich. They get to they get to go out there and like you raise the interest rates, cut off the availability for people to make the payments, all the stuff goes on sale and the rich come in there and buy it all up. It's like like something they do. It's like how it works, right? <laughs> okay, let's see here. You got to start reading Marx and listen to the MMT people if you want to make that cake. Yeah, um you know, the modern monetary theories, you know, going along with the UBI and some of that stuff. Um, we're going to see that probably, we're going to talk a lot more about that probably in about two or three years is where I'm guessing that we're going to start hearing a lot more about the modern monetary theory and UBI. It's going to correlate a lot with the um, central bank digital currencies and negative interest rates and stuff like that. So we're not there yet. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something to think about and talk about because it's, it's probably coming in the future. All right. Time to short alts. You think so? All the altcoins? Uh, let's see. The dollar is going to, is going up against the Euro and yen, but it isn't against the ruble. Yuan, Brazil, real, the West isn't talking about that, about this. Well, the ruble, the ruble just took a major downturn. So it's gained some strength lately, but not after what has happened over the course of the last few months. Um, give it some time. Give it some time and watch what happens with these brick nations. Watch as the dollar strengthens and all the contracts that they had written in dollars start coming due and the pain that they're going to feel from all that. Now, I'm not one to say that the BRICS nations is going away. That, the BRICS and the system and everything that they're doing is getting bigger. The United States and everything they have is diminishing, right? So this is taking place. BRICS will take, a, you know, and the, and the United States is going to get smaller. But right now, the size of the United States and the SWIFT system and everything that goes along with it and the use of it, it dwarfs anything else that's out there. There's nothing that even comes remotely close to it. So give it some time. It'll change. But as of right now, I don't see that being so significant that it's going to make a major impact on anything like right now. What I see happening right now is the dollar is going to strengthen. And I think it's going to strengthen incredibly to what anybody had ever imagined. I mean, I said it a long time ago when the Federal Reserve first started dropping interest rates that when they go to reverse this and start raising interest rates again, and people called me nuts. They said, it's not going to happen. We're going to have quantitative easing from here on in and negative interest rates is the future. And I was like, nope, not yet. I mean, it will happen. Don't, don't think it won't. But not right now. I mean, right now we got a different course that we're going to go down and then it's going to turn and we're going to see negative rates. We're going to see UBI. We're going to see cryptocurrencies. We're going to see... We're going to see a whole different kind of world. <laughs> All right. People, there are punk 
kids selling on eBay making more money than your doctor? Hello, McFly. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of ways to make money right now. So, dollar milkshake theory, indeed, my dude. Yeah, I mean, it's really happening. Like when I first learned about the dollar milkshake theory, I'm like, man, this makes a lot of sense. And man, as time is playing out here, it's really starting to show itself. I mean, the dollar and the and gold are rising together. That's something that he predicted within within that theory. So, I mean, it's coming. Right now, we have huge inflation, and that's with velocity at historic lows. Yeah, we also have a huge supply chain breakdown, right? We got two things happening here. Think about, like, think about like World War II. We had mass production taking place during World War II, and there were shortages, right? I mean, just because one thing's happening doesn't mean that you're going to have the other. I mean, of course, all the stuff that was being manufactured was going to the war effort, and that's why we had a supply chain breakdown or a supply shortage, you know, not a breakdown because there was no breakdown taking place. It was well working, but everything went to the war effort, which left the people with very little available. And the prices went up on all this stuff because everything went to the war effort. Well, same thing if you sever the supply chain. I mean, if you break the supply chain down and you deny the people the stuff, then you're gonna have a huge demand, supply and demand. The monetary policy that came from that with the massive amounts of quantitative easing and, and purchasing of U.S. treasuries and mortgage-backed securities and stuff definitely had a number. I mean, you would not have had the housing market go up as far as it did had the Federal Reserve not done all the mortgage-backed security purchases. There is very little doubt in my mind that the Fed caused a housing bubble to take place. Very little doubt in my mind, right? But there is a lot of stuff out there that is not part of the housing market that the Federal Reserve wasn't really part of. Like, I mean, they were part of the stimulus stuff and, you know, getting people out there and spending it. But a lot of this stuff is due to the fact that it's just not available. And the people who are buying it will buy double what they need because they're in fear of it. Or they'll pay way more than what they what they normally would because, again, they're in fear of not being able to get it. This inflation expectation drives inflation. I mean, go and read the Federal Reserve speeches. They talk about two things, inflation and inflation expectation, because there's two different things taking place there. If you can convince the people that there is going to be inflation, that expectation is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It totally worked. Yes, they contributed with the money printing, but it wasn't money printing alone that did it, okay? We, we gotta understand this. I mean, the same thing for the reasons why the inflation in the 70s is different from today. The inflation back during World War II is different from it is today. Yes, similar. Supply chain breakdown, monetary policies. These two things were definitely happening during those two times, and it's happening today, but it's not in the same fashion anymore. My friend in BC are already been laid off in construction. Yeah. Um, it Again, right? Inventory levels are low. Prices of houses are high. That would generally drive the demand to build homes up. You would think there would be more home builders trying to get into that game. But it's difficult. Building a home and being profitable is difficult. Supplies are hard to get. Labor is intensive, like, or labor shortages and high prices of everything that goes into it. The delay, right? Every time you delay a project because of these shortages, it costs, costs the builder more money. It's hard to profit off of these homes, even with these elevated prices. 
And if you have interest rates rising, right, this is where it's going to start putting the burden on these home builders. It's not just the capabilities of the people to buy the home, but these home builders have bonds that they sell just the same, right? They have their debts that they are paying. And if the interest rates rise, they can't roll that debt over into new debt, which means what? They're less profitable, which means what? The prices of homes have to go up or they have to start selling off their assets in order to pay for their houses. It could go either or pay for their, their bondholders. So it could go either way with this. Look at Evergrande and what happened with Evergrande, right? When China raised the interest rates over in, in on basically on all the corporations over there, but when they raised the interest rates over there on the central bank side of things, Evergrande started failing, right? They started going into default. They couldn't handle the higher interest rates from it. They started selling off their assets. Part of those assets were properties. Property prices really started to fall from that. That same similar thing could happen here in the United States. Or it could go another direction. It could be like what I'm saying, and that these home builders just don't build enough homes and the inventory level stays small. And if that low inventory level continues, right, we're going to have ever-increasing house prices. I mean, it's just like, it's not going to last forever, right? At some point, there will be a reversal to it all. Like, you cannot have something go on for... It's things that cannot go on forever won't. They just won't. But when you have an average house selling for $400,000 here in the United States, but average houses in Canada are $800,000 or whatever they are, and in New Zealand, they're $1.2 million, it just leads me to believe that, yeah, you can still have the real estate prices go up to stupid, insane, like, numbers. Like, other places in the, na in the, in the world. You know? Um... I don't, I don't know. Anyway, that's my thoughts. It's worse than eight hundred thousand. What is it? What is what is the average price of a home in Canada right now? I I have no idea. Like, it seems every time I hear the number, it's just so unrealistic that I can't imagine that being the truth. But it seems pretty dang high to me. Uh, uh yeah. God bless everyone. Take care out there. Absolutely. It's horrifying, dude. Yeah. Right. So when people say, like, how much farther can it go? Well, I mean, I don't know. We have to see, like, which, which one of these, you know, housing markets bust. Like, you know, does Canada break? Like, does it get to a, eventually get to a point where it just can no longer be sustainable? I mean, I would have thought that would have happened already. So, yeah, things can really stay insane for a long time. Right. What is the, uh, what's the famous quote for that? Markets can be irrational longer than you can be solvent, you know, <laughs> so, or stay irrational. All right. I'm looking to buy a house. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are, I mean, all cash buyers, houses sell in no time at all. Low inventory. It's just, it, it's a crazy scenario out there. I mean, I don't know. Uh, let's see here. I got about another five minutes, guys. Oh, hey, thanks for the super chat. Really appreciate that. John V. Hey, UE. I don't catch many investments, but I don't. Oh, I don't get to catch many investments, but I love your content, man. Keep it up. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate the uh, the $20 super chat. That is very cool of you. You guys are very supportive. Like I always say, I mean, you guys love you love the channel, you love supporting me, you, 
You know, I love you guys. I mean, thank you, you know. Uh, tempered expectations. China versus Taiwan next. Yeah, it could be. I mean, these things... I mean, has there ever really been much of a time where there wasn't some sort of conflict taking place in the world? I mean, whether if we weren't involved, somebody else was, and then sooner or later we get involved in it too. So it's it's like, I don't think there was ever a time when there wasn't somebody picking on somebody else doing something. So much love. Yes, all-nighter, absolutely true. So much love. Uh, awesome, love you too. Thank you. Want to know how long things can go up? Look at home prices from 1978 to 1988. Ontario houses average $1 million. Man. Do you still have crypto donation address? Um, yeah, um, I, I stopped posting the donation stuff in the descriptions. Um, I leave it over there on the about section of my page. So you can, you, you know, if you guys want to donate um, to the channel that way. Um, I'm not sure why I stopped putting it in the description. I, I'm, I'm not sure why I stopped doing that. But um, anyway, yeah, the donations and all that other stuff, like if you wanted to... Uh, to send me some Bitcoin, that would be awesome. I, you know, I never get to see who sends the Bitcoin. Cause you, I mean, it just shows up in the wallet. You see the, you see it coming, but you don't, you don't know who sent it. So thank you for everybody who has ever sent me any cryptocurrencies or any kind of donations, even the mail and stuff like that. You guys like, I really appreciate this stuff. I mean, it, you know, means a lot, means a lot to me to to be able to uh, you know to be able to have this and then you guys appreciate it and stuff it's just like it's an overwhelming feeling at times I mean it feels really good so you know thank you all right California is a 1.3 million per home in the <laughs> yeah that's a lot I mean that's where like you know, you think about it, like a million dollars. Like, I remember when I was a kid, like, if you could, if you were a millionaire, it was like this insane amount of money. You were like, you know, totally set for life. You were some kind of rock star or movie star or something. And it's just like, it seemed like so much money. And now a million dollars, it seems like, you know, something that you are going to have to do. Like you have no other choice in your life. You're going to have to earn a million dollars at some point, you know, in order to, to make things, make ends meet. And like, I can't imagine like by the time my kids are growing up, like, you know, it's like at million dollar salaries are probably going to be pretty common. Like everybody's going to have a million dollars. You know? Less and Heidi. Thank you very much for the 499. Thank you. Uh, was 22,000 in 1970. Is that for the average house was just $22,000 in 1970? So you can you imagine that it was like 50 years ago, $22,000. And now here it is half a million or whatever it is, 400,000. It's just, it's hard to wrap your head around sound. What is the sound gone? I mean, you guys obviously can hear me. Inflation is about psychology. They've printed trillions since 2008 with only inflation in assets. But after some fear events, coupled with handing out shortages, psychology goes inflationary. 
Yeah, like I cannot find a single person, like not one person do I know could, I mean, per, like, you know, obviously there's a bunch of you guys who, who think a lot like I do, but there's nobody I know personally who sees anything other than higher inflation going into the future. Like every single person I know is saying the exact same thing. And I'm like, well, the Fed's raising interest rates and monetary tightening, don't you see? And they're like, what? What do you mean? What is Fed funds rate? You know, so like they understand inflation because they see it in their pocket. Like they understand, like they pull out their wallet. They they understand inflation, but they don't understand what drove us here or why it's going to go away. Like they, they don't understand the rising of interest rates and what that means. You know. All right. My house was twelve thousand in seventies. Now six hundred thousand. Yeah, and that's why a lot of like. That's why when people say, like, you know, a lot of people feel rich, it's because of something like that, right? And, I mean, here you have this asset that you pay $22,000 for. Maybe even if you borrow money to pay for it, you paid $40,000 for it. But still, today it's worth $600,000, far more than anything that you had put into it, maybe besides maintenance and stuff, remodel or something. But it's now worth far more than that. So you have this, like, perceived wealth of $600,000. But what if you lose 50% on that? Like, what if you don't sell out and you stay there and there's a huge housing market crash? Well, now, instead of having $600,000 worth of wealth, you only have $300,000. That's like a huge, you know, drop in the amount of, like, you know, wealth that, or perceived wealth that you have. You know? um, that's why a lot of people feel rich, you know, is because, like, you know, these property values are going way up. Like, I mean, even myself, I mean, I'm looking at the property values of my house going up $300 a day and I'm thinking, man, I can't even earn that much money. Like, I can't earn as much as the house goes up in value, right? So isn't that kind of like my money, like my like my wealth or whatever is going up $300 a day faster than I can earn, than I can earn money? The house goes up more than that? I mean, doesn't that, that doesn't make any sense, right? You can't have that. All right, guys. I am going to bail out, but I really appreciate you hanging out. 404 of you, the 266 likes, $30 in super chats because you guys are just so awesome with the donations and, you know, the questions and everything you do for me and the channel. I can't thank you enough. Uneducated economists. <laughs> you guys let me know. Oh, dang, Felix. Yeah, you did miss it. Well, that's okay. Go back and watch the whole thing.